0: So mentioned uh, a little bit ago the uh, Elizabeth Warren came out with this idea. I assume she's not serious. I think I think this is pandering, don't you? Yeah. Or she's serious. Oh, it's it's uh, got to be. I mean, she's just uh, she's nuts if she's serious about this next step. And we we kind of vowed yesterday vowed ish not to talk about the 2020 Democratic race just because Marshall had a poll that showed only a quarter of Democrats are following much right of it yeah and so and, and we thought geez, if only a quarter of democrats are for, following it very much at all then you know what are we doing talking about all the time but yes I- issues like this I, I do think are worth discussing and so elizabeth warren said yesterday and she's definitely climbing in the polls um she talked about reparations for uh for gay marriage and various tax breaks that people missed out because they weren't allowed to get uh, married and how the now the whole nation owes all the, those gay couples money? I don't know. How, you know, it's it's as complicated as the <laughs> slavery repara- reparations, and as say, idiotic in that if a couple of people come forward and say, "Yeah, we were going to get married thirty years ago." Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, it was love and first sight. Yeah,
1: yeah. I saw him across the room, and we would have gotten married that day. Yeah. Come on! But,
0: but anyway, I, I don't see this ever happening. But no. The fact that it's mentioned on a stage and people cheer and all that sort of stuff. And, well, and the then some I... people discussed it seriously on cable news channels oh, is, for God's is sake. amazing to me. Yeah. Um, it is amazing. I and, appreciate your
1: even keel. Well done. I It is making me crazy. The idea, the very idea, the suggestion that anybody who by today's standards... Not the standards of the time, but today's standards has been wronged in any way should be compensated by current taxpayers, no matter the wrongs done to them in their lives or whatever. It's just it's an idiotic notion. It is a non-starter, And yet because rationality has died or at least it's very sick and hasn't shown up
0: for work in three weeks <laughs> we have these discussions in the public square and people discuss them with serious faces and so i heard something interesting the other day that i hadn't heard it put this way before so um i was reading the autobiography of christopher hitchens years ago He is a pundit that i really like who died but he uh he had to, toward the end of it he um he just kind of does a throwaway in his autobiography where he talks about and then identity politics hit this is a guy who'd been on the left his whole life involved in left politics he called himself the end and old leftist because he didn't like the new leftists mm-hmm. and he said and then identity politics took over and he said and I just I just couldn't get behind that I had no stomach for it I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't deal with the whole idea that what you were born as is your political position it just didn't make any sense right. to him. It's as, insulting. As an old school liberal. Well, so then I was I was listening to a Jordan Peterson par- podcast the other day. I don't know if everybody knows who Jordan Peterson is. If you're into podcasts, you do. He's like the biggest thing in the history of podcasts. And he's a super smart guy, teacher up in Canada, and talks about all kinds of different things at length. I mean, you can listen to three-hour conversations about. Yeah, he's got that? a fantastic book about living a life of meaning that's a bestseller right now. That's changing lives like crazy. But you want to hear him talk for three hours about God or raising children or the military or or, or voting, anything you want. It's out there. And he's a really interesting dude. But anyway, he was talking about it, uh, identity politics. But he was looking at it from this standpoint, which I hadn't really thought of before. He said what's going on, particularly he was talking about college campuses. And it's why he made the statement that he thinks that now. Uh, Colleges are a net loss for society. Mm. If you eliminate STEM studies, science, math, and law, if you if you take those out, all the other stuff, it's a net loss because of what kids are coming out of the view they're coming out of college with. Yeah, and um, and he said it's because universities deny the existence of the individual, and that's the most dangerous thing that's happening right now—denying the existence of the individual. And I I hadn't heard it put that way before, but it's the i the idea that we're a group. We're part of a group. It's a group that maybe I didn't even sign up for. You know, some, some groups you can sign up for because you're pro-choice. But some of them, you're either a woman or you're gay or you're black or you're, you're whatever. And you're in that group whether you like it or not. And this mm-hmm. is what the group thinks. And if you and if you don't agree with that, well, then you're you're in big trouble. And so it's denying any individual's ability to have their own thoughts, extending to if anybody comes to a college campus that doesn't agree with what the college campus agrees with, you know, they get rocks thrown at them and shouted at, and the police have to show up, and they don't get to speak. Right. You're denying all individual uh, ideas yeah, and thoughts on anything about the collective. Yeah, and and that's what the most dangerous thing is that our college kids are lo- learning is that George it's about Will the group. George Will made a similar
1: point recently too.
0: But you, and so, if you're not part of that group and you don't agree with the whole group, you just you're just a nothing, which is the exact opposite of what we're what what our belief has always been is that the individual is the that the whole constitution everything is written around the idea of the individual having their own agency and their own ideas and the individual pre- is sovereign and in and, and protecting that and everything and that right. is completely going away the sovereignty of the individual and yeah, that is really troubling well and then you're, and that gets you to, to the universities and, and that's how you get over with Elizabeth Warren standing on a stage and saying here's something that happened to gay people and we all got to support that and everybody mm. cheers and everything like because it's not any it's it's all group stuff right and all these groups are running into each other. Well, and she's combined two unholy aspects of modern
1: politics. Number one, signaling that she's in favor of gay people. There's nothing wrong with that. So am I. I mean, I just, in general, I'm in favor of people. Um, I'm in favor of, of, of good, uh, moral, you know, uh, loyal, taxpaying gay people. Those who broke the break the law, not so much. So, you know, again, it's the individual. But so she signaled, okay, I'm pro-gay people, which is identity politics. And then has signaled, and I want to give you money which is the other unholy aspect of politics. Um, And so she's cleverly combined those. The the reparations thing does that. Now, what's it? Reparations for uh, Hispanic people. Reparations for handicapped people. Reparations,
0: it's great. It combines identity politics and gimme, gimme, gimme. But those things are running into each other in lots of different places and not just against the right or conservatives or, or whatever political view doesn't agree with reparations. I don't think a lot of uh, black people. I'm guessing now. I don't think a lot of black people who who might be okay with the slavery reparations are going to be okay with some of their tax money going to gay marriage reparations because right. gay marriage is not as popular in the black community, according to all polls, as it is with everybody else. So you got two reparations thing where you might they might they might not agree with each other at all.
1: There's going to be a lot of money being traded back and forth. It's going to be rather a complex flowchart of God, money I'd going say. back and
0: forth. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to need a lot of it. The money.
1: Yeah. And you made the point about the colleges, too. And and listen, this is the point that we've made several times, but probably will keep making uh, is that the the nature of colleges now that there must be unanimity of thought is such an abhorrent twisting. It's well, it's turning it on its head. The very idea of a university. That's precisely what it's supposed to be the opposite of. You go in to get exposed to all sorts of different ideas. You learn to think critically. You learn to question your own precepts that you brought in as a child. The fact that they're doing the opposite. Yeah, I, to- I agree with Jordan Peterson. I think it. I'm not sure, uh, you know, getting back to the individual versus the collective and all, there are plenty of schools and plenty of classes that are worth taking. And the kids benefit from You
0: can get plenty of information without being immersed in that college situation. Yeah, yeah. His point was, as a net, it's a negative. I think he's probably right. God, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's because I'm influenced by some college people I know, one that I was uh, talking to the other day, and it it wasn't my business or position to get in an argument about this. But this person is so convinced that this is just the worst country in the world. Yeah. And that that has come from the university experience that they've had. Yeah. That this is just, boy, this is just an evil, evil nation that we've created here. Wow. When it is the exact opposite. It's the best hope humanity has ever had. Right. 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 But they they become convinced at great expense and great debt yeah. that they live in an awful time and an awful university. There's never been a better time to awful be awful country. An awful yeah. country and an awful uh an awful period to live in. Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's astounding. That's, I don't know I don't know how many people that's true for, but it wouldn't have to be very many where it is a net loss yeah. for society that people are coming out into the world with that viewpoint. Yeah, God, that's just so crazy.
2: It is. I give you credit for biting your tongue. I, I do I would, have, I would All think.
1: that is required of good men for evil to triumph, Michael, is their silence. I would have said, so you can leave. You so know. you're in on the evil, too. Way to go.
0: I'm not lecturing other people's children.
1: They're all our children, Jack. And no, I'm a fan of collectivism. <laughs> we, it takes a village. It takes a village. The minute that person hits 18, not a child anymore. That's what I say. It's time to grow up.
0: So during the commercials, I am uh, planning to poke Joe with sticks. Get him all ramped back up about illegal immigration and the border situation. Well, the well, Political game that's being played so he can scream in the radio, which is good for ratings. I uh, I don't know if I have it in me. I think I'm on
1: to despair, the despair phase. Uh-oh. These seven stages of accepting that this beautiful experiment in self-governance is dying. Dying. <laughs> We're doomed. We're screwed. We're screwed.
0: He's starting to get worked We're up. We're screwed and doomed. We'll, we'll be back.
2: <laughs> Armstrong.
0: Getty show. We're looking at a president of the United States
1: who, number one, thinks that a war with Iran is something that might be good for this country.
2: He was just doing a limited strike.
1: Oh, just a limited strike. Oh, well, I'm sorry. I just didn't know that it's okay to simply attack another country with bombs. Just a limited strike. That's an act of warfare. He's right. Nancy. you gotta love his old man sarcasm. (laughs) What are you always doing on your phone? I'm just sending an emoji, Grandpa. Oh, just an emoji! (laughs) You see, when I was growing up, the only emojis we had were our faces. So when our friends wanted to know how I was, they wouldn't look down there, they would look up here. And that's
0: how they knew I was grumpy. (laughs)
2: Mm.
0: (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just didn't know. That is funny. I <laughs> uh, hope he drops one of those on the debate stage on Thursday night. But we're oh, not talking about it. that right now. No. So. Joe threw up. So here's
1: uh, here's what we're dealing with. You're familiar, of course, with the concept of the lowest common denominator, right? In politics. Here's, here's how it works. Your highest level of voter, this is an imaginary person, would be... Very, very knowledgeable about the function of government. They would be a moral person. They would be a patriot, but a person aware that their country could make mistakes, and they would be intensely interested in, in the operations of government. That would, that's your highest level of voter. I think I'm that person. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm honored to be standing here with you. So you got that voter. Then below them, you got somebody who's, you know, most of those things, but not quite as much and eh, whatever. And then somebody below that who pays attention and, 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 and stuff and cares a little bit, but, you know, is kind of motivated more by, you know, habit or prejudice or what have you. And then, then you keep going down. Down and down till you get to voters that are motivated only by like the lowest sort of animal emotions. I
0: like to eat paste or I've been eating paste since the first grade or man, I like it
1: or voters who are motivated by childlike emotion. So as you go down from that epic top of the line voter who I described to the next guy down. You've got to lower your message, or you're going to miss the second guy-gal. Mm. Okay? You've got to simplify your message to get them. And then as you keep going and going and going down, you got to keep simplifying and simplifying until you get down to motivating people through just pure, childish emotion. And the more you want to rock the vote, and believe me, I cherish voting rights, but the more you want everyone to vote, inevitably, if you didn't do this, you'd be dumb. Inevitably, you got to dumb down the message more and more and more. And that oh. is where we are in a lot of our immigration discussions. Please witness Nancy Pelosi discussing the United States government executing faithfully the laws of written and passed by the Congress of the United States. The uh, the longer, Nancy, please, Sean.
2: When I saw that the president was going to have these, ra- I mean, it was so appalling,
1: it's outside the circle of civilized human behavior to just be kicking down doors, splitting up families and the rest of that, in addition to the injustices that are happening at the border.
2: So when I spoke to the president, I said, look, I'm a mom, I have five kids, seven, nine grandchildren, and, and um, you're, Children are scared. You're scaring the children of America, not just in those families, but their
1: neighbors and their communities. You're scaring the children. All right, I I hate so to just inter- kids in general are being scared. All, ch- all children, Luckily, are being scared. all seventy nine of her grandchildren. Luckily, right? <laughs> <laughs> seven, wait a minute. I hate to interrupt my own momentum, but what grandmother doesn't know how many grandchildren <laughs> she has?
0: She made a seven
1: stumble. to nine. She made a stumble. It's their hard to count. I keep they, they keep moving. What was that
0: first phrase? It's outside the realm of decency outside
1: or- the circle of human behavior. Wow. So this is what crocodiles do. Apparently, <laughs> remember our theme being pitching gut animal emotion to the lowest common denominator. She said so many things there that were ridiculous. First of all, these are the laws passed by Congress, the now completely impotent Congress, and I could go off on that screen for a while. Our, our, our constitutional balance has been completely thrown off now by an overreaching executive, both parties, and an utterly cowardly Congress. But so these are the laws of Congress. These people, the people who are going to be deported now, after going through the entire immigration or asylum process, represented by taxpayer paid for attorneys and interpreters, the appeals finally it just reaches the very end and a judge says, I'm sorry, but you have to go. You have not met the standards for asylum. And then ICE gives the writes them a letter and says, Listen, you have 30 days to get your affairs in order. I'm afraid you, you got to be deported. And then we go. And if they don't turn themselves in or self deport, we say, Hey, all right, today you got to go today. And the idea that that is so horrific, it's outside the circle of human behavior. That's an absurd thing to say.
0: It's absurd not, and it's dangerous. Not if you understand the way the world works now, which she and, uh, and Donald J. Trump do. You realize you're speaking mostly only your side is going to hear what you say because of the way the media works. Right. And uh, and, and, and mostly those people are not going to take in enough news to hear the, the counterbalance to that. Right. And so you can push them
1: further and further away yeah. from logic. So, hey, Sean, do you have that? We don't have time now, but there's a collection of mayors and or governors announcing that they will not cooperate with ICE. I know. That's amazing. The evils of ICE, which means that ICE can no longer round up criminal aliens. In jail safely. Now they have to go into neighborhoods. And when they do that, they end up finding other illegals who they had no intention of apprehending, but the law says they have to apprehend them when they find them. So these Democrat governors and mayors are making it way worse
0: in the way they see the world. The hypocrisy is stunning. Marshall's got his news coming up, and then we'll get into all that on the Armstrong and Getty show.
2: Armstrong and Getty. with Martian Phillips. Well, after President Trump imposed those new sanctions on Iran, Tehran blasted back, saying the new measures meant permanent closure of diplomacy between Iran and the U.S. The new sanctions were placed as well on some of the top Iranian leaders.
1: You know, I'd point out to the Iranian leaders the wise words of the progressive rock band Kansas, nothing lasts forever but the earth and sky. It's Hmm. not a permanent end to diplomacy. Please.
2: Sanctions imposed through the executive order will deny the Supreme Leader and the Supreme Leader's office and those closely affiliated with him and the office access to key financial resources and support. Iran's president saying the new U.S. sanctions targeting the Supreme Leader and others are, quote, outrageous and idiotic, adding, quote, the White House is afflicted by mental retardation and does not know what to do. That sounds like politicians in this country.
0: You know, we're 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 all, including me, so used to this kind of back and forth Mm -hmm. that you just kind of have a feeling. You know, it'll work out. It always gets worked out somehow, but it doesn't have to end that way. It doesn't have to end getting worked out. Right, right. I hope it does. Strategy
1: is to make them so desperate they come to the table. Sometimes you make somebody so desperate they do something else.
2: Yep. Meanwhile, you got National Security Advisor John Bolton in Israel. Saying, while all options remain on the table, as we've heard so many times before, the president is always ready to talk. President Trump yesterday imposed significant new sanctions on Iran's supreme leader and other top leadership individuals and entities. At the same time, the president has held the door open to real negotiations. And Bolton says, all your ratings have to do is walk through that open door went on to say that American envoys are surging across the region in hopes of finding a path out of the escalation of tensions between the U.S. and Iran. That sounds good. So the talking's continuing. Meanwhile, we got Democratic presidential hopeful Bernie Sanders calling for a revolutionary plan to cancel college student debt. We should not be punishing people for getting a higher education. It is time to hit the reset button. Now outside the Capitol yesterday, the Vermont senator said an entire generation of young Americans should not be sentenced to a lifetime of debt. His plan would strike almost $2 trillion in debt for about 45 million Americans, and it would be paid for with a tax on Wall Street financial institutions. The American people bailed out Wall Street. Now it is time for Wall Street to come to the aid of the middle class of this country. Yeah, but Bernie, you,
0: you and me, and, and 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 lots of us screamed at the time. The people that created this mess, they need to go to jail, or they need to change the laws, or whatever. We need to make sure this doesn't happen again. You're not doing. Nobody's doing that with the college situation, right? Nobody's saying why has it gotten so expensive. What changed? from 20 years ago that the same university is now five times as expensive, even though it's easier to get knowledge around now.
1: Right, exactly, when exactly the opposite opposite should be happening. Now the supply, you all familiar with supply and demand, now the supply of information has exploded. So how has the price of it risen so steeply? We've actually answered that question many times on this show. But the, the other thing is we've received a couple of emails from folks pointing out uh, hey, Uncle Bernie, Santa Claus. What about people who chose not to borrow but to work like
0: slaves and pay their way through college? What about or people who went to a much cheaper college or didn't go to college at all? Right. Made well, a decision. They, now they have to pay out the people who wanted to go to their dream college and take on all the debt and not work. Exactly. People who went to
1: State U now somehow might be, in effect, paying for people who went to their dream school, as Jack points out, and got a degree in friggin' sociology or art history or, or what have you. And and what about the even the families, middle-class families, upper-middle-class families who lived very, very simply because they didn't want their kids to take on that sort of debt and so said, said to Johnny, I'll play for three-quarters of it. You're on the hook for the other three-quarters. What about dad, who passed up all the financial pleasures of life to pay for the kids? What happens to dad? Where's his share, Bernie? How's that all going to work? That's why
0: these idiot schemes are always just, they're just pandering. I'll tell you what, if there's a bailout for the college uh, debt like there was for the house debt that I got screwed on, the next wave that comes along, I'm getting in on it. I'm going in big, realizing that you'll eventually get bailed out. I should have bought a bigger house back in the day and taken advantage of that. And uh, and I and I should have gone to Harvard. And uh, while this was going on, because right. I was going to get that paid for. And nobody,
1: nobody is asking. Wait a minute. Why are kids spending fifty thousand dollars a year? Why is it so expensive to go? Especially as we pointed out, kids are taking fewer classes, right. doing less homework. Professors are teaching fewer classes. Right. The idea that what you get out of college is worth tens of thousands of dollars a year, is just, it's dumb. It's
0: indefensible. Not only that, wasn't that same study, didn't it say college kids are coming out with not much more knowledge? Right. It's difficult
1: to discern the seniors from the freshmen when you give them tests. Difficult to see which one knows more. I mean, this is just, and yet, we've designed a a society that temporarily, because this too shall pass. Yeah that is uh, demanding that you show me your degree in art history to get this job as a junior uh, administrator at some you know tech company, whatever. I do it's think just... he
0: means it, though, as opposed to... I don't think it's just pandering. I think he means it. Cause that's, Bernie that's, is a that's, borderline that's, communist. That's yeah. his worldview.
2: San Diego, California, Congressman Duncan Hunter is trying to get his campaign finance case dismissed. Good luck. Hunter, facing accusations, he misused about a quarter million dollars in campaign funds for personal expenses.
0: Because he did.
2: He filed a motion yesterday to have the case dismissed on the basis that two assistant U.S. attorneys investigating it attended a presidential campaign event for Hillary Clinton. A congressman's attorneys are now arguing that indicates a conflict of interest. Listen, I'm no paragon, but at
1: age 12, I was more financially responsible than Duncan Hunter and his wife.
0: Oh, man. As a little boy. They're out of control. Oh, yeah. Hey, we just got a good text on the whole, uh, what it would cost almost $2 trillion to wipe out the college debt. Good text. Take your pick. Either cure cancer for all in the world, for all of history, or wipe out the college debt. Because, yeah, that kind of money, you could do something like cure cancer. Could be, yeah. $2 trillion? Come on. And the
2: U.S. continues winning at the Women's World Cup. Game on the line. (laughs) Repeat. There you go. the U.S. Now look,
1: I understand the rules of soccer, and I understand why they are uh, what they are. But the only the only goals we scored, we the U.S. were on penalty kicks.
2: Yeah. yeah. I
0: didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Not quite mm. the same, is it? No. You, you you they guessed wrong. The goalie guessed wrong. Right. Well, <laughs> oh, you know, if if the
1: defense wipes somebody out in the penalty area when they could conceivably have scored, well, that's why you give them a penalty kick. I get that. Sure. But it is not quite as satisfying. They score
0: thirteen, you criticize. They go zero zero into penalty kicks, you criticize. These women just can't <laughs> get your approval. It's sexism. And so that woman Rapino or yes, whatever Rapinoe. her name is, she's the the star of the team. She yeah. and Trump are into it now, going after each other. Oh, she kneels. Love. She oh, kneels for the national anthem because oh, she's they the purple haired gal. Oh. They didn't put the pride flag up, and so he blasts her for being unpatriotic. And uh, there you go.
2: And everybody wins. <laughs> everybody wins that's your news I'm Marshall Phillips the Armstrong and Getty show the conscience of the nation
0: when when you're when you're on foreign soil you travel around the world playing these tournaments as an American stand for the national anthem can yeah you? can yeah. you i i think i think i feel like it's different in other countries than it is here at you know you're you're a professional player in Dallas okay you want to criticize America i wouldn't do it but you can but on foreign soil, I just feel like you're representing the whole the nation as a whole, and Donald, not just one particular tiny thing that happened. Have somebody
1: else take shots at Oh yeah, at her. oh yeah, yeah. We absolutely. don't need the president punching down at soccer players. Just <laughs> women stop it. soccer
0: players. Stop. Which is that was
1: actual sexism. Yeah, well, oh, I don't know if it's sexism. Th- it was definitely yeah. sexism. Um, I for one am outraged.
0: They're suing. Who is? The women's soccer okay. are suing the whole soccer world Yes, for not making as much money as the dudes. Equal pay. All right. They don't make as much money as the dudes, in case you didn't know this, because not as many people watch. So there's not as much advertising revenue. And you think because they generate less money, they should be
1: paid less money? Yes. Is that I what you think? think that. That's what you
0: think? <laughs> I do think that. Well... Um, but, uh, so yeah, so I did use my dismissive tone because the, I, I saw the ratings as part of this argument. Women's soccer just gets lower ratings, just like WNBA gets lower ratings than the NBA. That's why they make less money. If everybody- so you're suggesting that a business
1: that makes less money should pay out less money, is that? Oh my God!
0: If I can't, I didn't know I was working with someone like this. If twenty million people watched the WN, there was a WNBA game on at the pizza place. Sam and I were at it the other day. I didn't know the league oh, still. The TV broke. I didn't know the league still existed, and I thought there's nobody in this place. We're the only people in the pizza place, and there's a WNBA game on their giant big screen. Up. Yes, this is what you serve the lunch crowd. Mm. All the sports on a Sunday that could possibly exist. Mm. WNBA game, mm. regular season game. Finals? I have no idea. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. But if 40 million people tuned into that, they would make more money than LeBron James. They just would because there's more advertising revenue. But they don't. It's not because they're women. It's misogyny. That's because they're
1: women. Right. Right. I'm so stupid, all I have is that sort of argument. And I just throw it out over and over again. (laughs) I cannot be penetrated by logic. I have a titanium skull.
0: Have you ever heard of the marshmallow test? We've talked about it on this show many times, but we've been on the air. I don't recall what that is. We've been on the air for 20 years, so maybe you didn't hear it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Where were you? (laughs) (laughs) Rich kids are better at the marshmallow test. That's that test where you kind of test your ability to delay satisfaction or gratification. Oh. We could run through it again if you've. Yeah, I I have very vague recollections of it. That and other stuff on the way on the Armstrong and Getty show.
2: Armstrong.
1: The Armstrong and
0: Getty Show. Speaker of the House saying one thing, a guy running ice saying something completely different. That's a tough spot to be in as a, uh, a taker-in of information in a democracy. I mean, you got two high-level government officials saying the exact opposite thing, and the media having no interest in nailing down which one's being accurate. We've got more on that later. Mm. Um but yeah so the marshmallow test one of the most famous psychological tests ever done now, I did a different version of the the marshmallow test with my kids a while back you might remember in which uh my my son my oldest son said man I love marshmallows I could eat them all day long and I said you yeah, actually could there's no way you could <laughs> you couldn't eat marshmallows all day long and they both said I know Henry, when I hear it <laughs> seven and nine both said, Oh, yeah. Well, we could both eat marshmallows all day long. I said, okay, I'm going to let you do it. Tomorrow, starting in the morning, I'm going to let you eat marshmallows for as long as you can. Now, that's some good parenting. Yeah, it's like the make them smoke a whole pack of cigarettes thing, really. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. Also a questionable strategy.
1: Show those lungs, those little lungs. Who's boss?
0: Not so pink now, are they? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) So, anyway... We get up on a Saturday morning. Henry doesn't even make it through breakfast. He eats like two marshmallows and says, "I feel sick, can I have some cereal?" Nah. Sure. I thought, okay, Dad. I bow the to your wise wisdom. older Dad. Oh, Papa. Once again. <laughs> Uh, But Sam just eats a whole bunch of marshmallows. Anyway, I got the big giant ones. They're like the size of an apple. Yes. He eats a couple for breakfast. I said, that's enough for now. Well, you can have later. And then later, he has a couple more, and then lunch, and then like in the afternoon, he's walking around eating a giant <laughs> marshmallow like an apple. <laughs> <laughs> and I finally had to call it off, and I say, okay, I guess I was wrong. You can't eat marshmallows all day. I'm not going to let you eat 50 of these and nothing else to in make a day. A point, right? Yeah. <laughs>
2: Wow, But that's
0: not the actual marshmallow test as developed by Stanford back in the 60s. And it's considered one of the great uh, psychological tests ever done and one of the great predictors of human behavior in the future in which you uh, take a child, you let them have a mar- you put a marshmallow in front of them, you let them have it. And then you say you can have a second one if you can go 15 minutes without eating the f- first one is the way you do it. OK, you can go 15 minutes. You get a second one if you don't eat the first one, then you leave the room. The point of it is you leave the room, and they're sitting there with the marshmallow as a child. Delayed gratification. Listen, you've already admitted you have more than one marshmallow. Let me just get the first one, and then we can start the exercise with marshmallow (laughs) number two. Two and three. Yeah. Whether they are patient enough to double their payout is supposedly indicative of a willpower that will pay dividends down the line at school, at work, their entire lives. Again, delaying gratification. Passing the test is to many a promising signal of future success. Uh, But a new study has cast um, a doubt on the the whole concept. An NYU researcher, along with a UC Irvine researcher, restaged the classic marshmallow test developed uh, in the 60s at Stanford. Um, Because back in Stanford, they did track how children went on to fare later in life, and they described the results in a 1990 study. So they had a good 30 years of... Mm of seeing how it was, which suggested that delayed gratification had huge benefits, including on such measures as standardized test scores. I can tell you that, and I don't know if it's delayed gratification or just being a rules follower or what. As a kid, if you had told me, don't eat the first marshmallow, you get the second one in 50 minutes, I would have just absolutely just sat there with nobody in the room and not eaten the marshmallows.
1: I get two for the price of one. Done.
0: Um... What if I eat Although half? that's not a
1: rule, that's a transaction. I think it's made pretty clear that that's a transaction, right? Yeah. You're not violating anything.
0: Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They come back in, I if just you ate eat half. Yeah, just eat half the marshmallow. That's not a thing. Sit down, son. <laughs> Do I get three quarters of the next one? So this new guy, they were skeptical of the finding. The original results were based on studies that included fewer than 90 children, all enrolled in preschool on Stanford's campus. Okay. Uh, Probably a certain sort of kid. Probably, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know the history of it, but yeah, it's suspicious. In restaging the experiment, they uh, adjusted the experimental design in important ways. Researchers used a sample that was much larger, more than 900 children, and also more representative of the general population in terms of race, ethnicity, and parents' education. Researchers also, when analyzing the test results controlled for certain factors such as the income of a child's household that might explain children's ability to delay gratification and their long-term success. Okay, well, that's really interesting.
1: Yeah, which is where you get into some some sticky ground in social sciences. How you do that is has an enormous effect Ultimately, on the, the results and how you interpret them.
0: Their interpretation of the results is ultimately the new study finds limited support for the idea that being able to delay gratification leads to better outcomes. Instead, it suggests that the capacity to hold out for a second marshmallow is shaped in large part by a child's social and economic background. And in turn, that the background, not the ability to delay gratification, is what's behind the kid's long-term success.
1: Well, here's a counter-argument. That if you come from generations of people who can delay gratification to get the work done, for instance, who are more disciplined, you're going to come from a better socioeconomic background. Now, maybe you want to argue it's genetic. Maybe it's taught. I don't know. But yeah, your
0: parents are probably better at delaying gratification right. if, if you have a higher socioeconomic background. If, probably. as a
1: kid, everybody you know is a self indulgent, impulsive person, you're probably going to be more
0: like that. I really like this part because we've talked about is this a lot. This part where we eat the marshmallows. <laughs> I don't even really like marshmallows that much.
1: I do. Oh, boy. You, I know this is one of the divisions between us. We agree on a lot, but marshmallow fluff.
0: I don't think I oh. can eat a marshmallow right now.
1: I used to eat marshmallow fluff sandwiches, fluffernutters, of course, with the peanut butter, that were an
0: inch high. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're really, they're absurd. What about on a s'more? Can you do one on oh, a yeah, s'more? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. in that in that situation. Okay. I like now that they make marshmallows s'more-shaped. Kids today, week all right. When I was a kid, they're around and You had to squash them down. But now you had to learn how to squash them down without breaking the graham cracker. It was make... part of growing up. They make flat square marshmallows now that fit Laziness. perfectly in the graham cracker. Yeah, millennials. Uh, the marshmallow test isn't the. I like this part because it's something we've talked about. The marshmallow test isn't the only experimental study that has recently failed to hold up upon closer scrutiny. Some scholars and journalists have gone so far as to suggest that psychology is in the midst of a replication crisis. We have talked about this a lot because it's oh, yeah. fascinating. In the case of this new study, specifically, the failure to confirm old assumptions pointed to an important truth that circumstances matter more, blah, 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 blah. But it's the idea that there are all kinds of experiments that you haven't heard of, let alone some of the biggies. This is one of the biggest psychological tests people reference Mm -hmm. in my lifetime. Right. You can't replicate them. Mm -hmm. It happens over, over and over again. These people, they either made mistakes or they fudged it in a certain way to uh, to, to get the results they wanted or whatever. But nobody can replicate the results they or got. They just brought so many prejudices to the table. Right. that Yeah. Um, a they, replication crisis. So many of these studies are just
1: crap. Social science is as squishy as the marshmallows they are using to tempt the kids. <laughs> it's true. They're, they're pseudosciences to a large degree. I mean, I'm not saying that human behavior shouldn't be studied in that way, but the social scientists are desperate to come off
0: as physicists right and and y'all just ain't well i've just i've always questioned that marshmallow thing in that it just having little kids got they react differently on different days i mean they're not they're not as consistent as i think these researchers would like to believe wow i think that's, i could do the same stuff. test with with one of my kids and get different results on different days
1: that's the sort of th- the memory that dims a little bit as your kids age but you got the little kids so that's an excellent point Makes you want to eat marshmallows,
0: doesn't it? Mm, Boy, what's a marshmallow made out of? What? What is that? (laughs) (laughs) Delicious. It's heaven, is what it is. Just heaven.
2: Armstrong
1: and Getty.